the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to blow your wad at your local big box store. That's right. Today, we're talking about that pretend patient profession, the brown box loading biz, and the old federal agent fake out. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And in this episode, we are talking to an actress and fellow podcaster who, since wrapping up her five-year turn on the hit NBC show, Superstore. Still one of her favorites. Yeah, just keeps on booking work. Truth. But she's been so great about rescheduling with us, and I can't believe we're actually really finally doing this. Even though our kid just called home sick. And he's fire. Yeah, please <laughs> welcome to the show the super funny, super delightful, superstore star, Kelly Schumann. Yay! Yay. So Thank you. What an I intro. Yay! Yay! We aim to please. <laughs> we aim to please. I slid into your DMs, and I do it for a couple of people, but I slide into the DMs of people that just like really impact me when I'm watching them perform. And I was just like, she's never gonna see this. It's gonna go to that thing like stalker, that stalker folder. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's gonna take forever. And I was just like, I'll enter in the show. I'll hey, enter in the show. You made it out of my stalker <laughs> folder. Beautiful. You know which one I'm talking about. What's it called? Like others? It is. It's. Uh, like I, I can't remember, but. It should be called the stalker folder, but it is. But yeah. I, I, how long did I take? I didn't take too you long. You didn't take that long. You okay. were pretty quick. Like some people take like a year. You took yeah. like three weeks, and I was like, yes. She's like me. She checks it, and I know why she's like me, because she was gonna be in the FBI. Yeah, <laughs> that is why. <laughs> she's like, I gotta see who in the stalker folder. <laughs> yeah. I mostly check it because that's where I, I like a lot of messages go, and then I'm like, oh, this is a person to block. Yeah, right. I don't want them to ever accidentally see any of my content. So right, right, right. That's why I check it. Those gotcha. are gotcha. Smart, people. smart. Because yeah. until you actually proactively block them, they can at least see your page. See, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I've been attacked on social media like more than a couple of times for nothing, like for ridiculous things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I always check that folder just to make sure there's nobody that I should be preemptively blocking. Well, I'm not going to bring up your stance on uh, daylight savings on this episode because I don't want to bring the fire again. I know. I have a very controversial stance on daylight savings. (laughs) I'm going to go straight into FBI because I already brought it it up. She's so smart. Like, what part of the... My brother-in-law was going into the FBI also. I had dreamed... I wore blazers in high school and pretended like I was going to apply to the FBI one day. Like you were scully? Yep. Yep. In a plaid skirt. Yep. Um, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. What the hell? Well, I think what is great is that you think I maybe was recruited by the FBI because of my intellect, and that's <laughs> not true. Um, <laughs> I, my intellect had very little to do with it. Um, Didn't I, keep you out, though. What's well, that? Kelly's sort of like my Sandra Bullock. I, I've already told her she is my America's sweetheart, but Sandra Bullock style. Like, yes. And this is who I want to see leading the FBI in a movie. I want her to play it on TV or in a movie. Oh my gosh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> I, I it's, want a direct, that it's a direct channel. She's, is, he's he's still in her block folder, but. Yeah. Ugh, I'll let him in just for this. Um, so, yeah, so I had um you know sometimes from like deep pain 
is born some wonderful things. So I had this like massive breakup and I had lived elsewhere and I moved back home to live, like live with my parents and I had no job and I had no direction. And I was like 20, oh, I was young. I'm gonna say 22, 23, something like that. And I was looking for a job. And before I had come home, my mom was like, great news, UPS, is hiring and i was like to do what and she was like load and unload the boxes from the truck this is like my nightmare keep yeah. going well but then you get the job and it's even worse like yeah. it, she was like you're gonna do this this is gonna be great we've got a job lined up for you and you're just gonna get yourself back up on your feet is your mom like connected at ups not at all she saw an ad in the newspaper okay it's funny but i digress for one moment my dad worked for the irs and he sort of said the oh. same thing to me. I came out to California I, I, at 22. I lasted five months. He doesn't realize I came home for my little sister because he and my mom were going through a divorce and it was okay. bitter. And so I flew home. I was working at PBS on air, but it didn't pay very much. So he was like, you can come get a job at the IRS with me. <laughs> and I was like, the fuck I am. We were like, again, they were putting, I? yeah, they were putting ads in the paper too. And I was like, I am not working for the IRS. What are you talking about? I know they were putting ads in the paper at the time and there was no real, there was no social media. No. I mean, I think I had an email address, but I didn't yeah. use it. Um, Not for so, that stuff. Heck no. It ended in whatever EDU you had been at. That's right. <laughs> no, cause I, I went to acting school so we didn't even get email addresses. Yeah. That's amazing. So. Okay. <laughs> That's how old I am. Um, so I, uh, so anyways, I went to this like open house to come get a job at UPS long story short i got the job so i was working at ups loading and unloading trucks i am committed to a life of rest and relaxation um and so this did not work for me it was <laughs> this was a terrible job for me i came home every day and took a bath in epsom salts and was like i can't anymore and so i was actively looking for another job um i left ups i was like a uh receptionist at a newspaper like i was just bouncing around and were you auditioning at this time no i was Chicago? not acting at all i had completely okay. quit acting at this point you um, graduated college and you were like i quit this relationship i quit my dream of acting i am going to do labor intensive work yeah sort of i had graduated from acting school i met this person and was like nothing is more important to me than this man i'm a cautionary tale <laughs> don't do that what not to do but you but no it's not fair because in acting school they teach you to wear your emotions on your sleeves and so you I, become attached to people very quickly oh my God. you let it all out somewhere. it was bad um so i was bouncing around i had no real direction and then i come home from work one day and yet another newspaper clipping strikes again my grandmother had cut out an article that said that the FBI was opening a field office in Chicago and they were looking for people to come and work for them. And they were specifically looking for women, um, non-white, at the time they said minorities. But so I thought, well, I'm a woman, so I'll just apply. And that's certainly better than like these, you know, odd jobs that I'm bouncing around and doing. Um, and then yeah, so I sent in the first, the first application is, you know, it's very simple. It would be like if you walked into any place and like filled out their quick application, that's literally what the first one looked like. And sent it in. Yeah, it was, I, I thought that was it. I right. was wrong. 
Yeah, it's um, intense. It's intense once they it bring is you so in. so intense. So I went in, first thing they do is a, what they call an intelligence test. Yep, yep. And it is not to be like, again, I love that you think that it's because of my intelligence that I got anywhere with this. Job. It had nothing. To, it was literally like, can you do basic math? Can you read? Like, it's very a very basic intelligence test. Well, listen, you should all follow her Instagram, Kelly Schumann. I mean, if she doesn't block you, because I got to tell you, she says smart things. She makes me laugh. She has pretty things that she designs. I love the December accountability calendars thank you, thank and you. papers. But listen, she's lying. She is smart. Keep going. <laughs> I, well, I don't I don't think I'm a dummy, but that's not how I ended up near the FBI. Yeah, the she, FBI. She's not saying she's not smart. She's just saying right, that's not what they, the FBI was was actively seeking out. I just see people not going actively. in like filling out an application and taking the intelligence test and being like, no, you, I'm sorry. You did not pass the I know. intelligence test. Well, as I was taking it, I was like, if I don't pass this, I I don't know what I deserve, but right. Did no you success. worry at that time about our like national security that it was in the hands of people who could pass first grade math? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did know is that like the FBI is a lot of like working your way up, or at least where I was starting, it was a lot yeah. of working your way up. I didn't have any sort of like degrees in criminology or anything like that, so I did know that what I was it was entry level was where I was. So okay. I thought, yeah, it is a good it's a good first step to make sure that I can add and subtract. Like, sure. yeah, yeah, we're where we should be. And that's when, so once you get past the intelligence testing, that's where shit gets real and it yep. gets real fast. And then you get the real um, application and it's like 30 pages long and it has like whole sections about like whether or not you're a communist or at least it did at the time. This was it's, like- I think it still does. Did So my brother-in-law, has a degree in criminal science, became yeah. a police officer, which he was only going to do for two to three years. And then he was going to go to law school. He fell in love with serving and protecting that. Then he was changed to FBI. Yeah. So he got to the point where they bring you out and you're there for a week. Yeah. At, at some undisclosed location yeah. or three weeks. And they give you a lie detector test. Did you I've get done to the, the lie lot? detector? Yeah. 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 Let her tell the story. I know. I just I get so excited. Look at me. I'm so excited. I can't help myself. Okay, keep I going. I mean, I was excited too. I was with every step they were like lie detector. And I was like, hell yes, let's lie yes. detect. Um, but I you know, it just it just kept going. The problem for me, and I should I should have maybe started with this. I never actually worked for the FBI because it, <laughs> the the process was like we were up to like six months when I finally yeah. was like, and I'm done now. Like, and it just, it just takes so long yes. because of all the investigate. And it's not that I don't understand. I a hundred percent understand. Yes. Um, and I applaud them for their diligence. That being said, it was like too much for me. And I was like, I got to get a job. Like your girl's not making any money. So, mm. um, but. And you're still at UPS this whole time. Uh, no, I had left UPS and I was a receptionist at a newspaper because then they came to the newspaper and talked to my boss, who obviously did not know that I was like looking for other jobs. Um, they. So your best case scenario is you think the FBI is just he thinks the FBI is just checking out one of his employees. Yeah, <laughs> well, they did tell them she has applied for a job with the FBI. And so we need to talk to I mean, like within that 30 page um, application, there's several different sections where they ask you to list like 
I had just lived in Canada and they're like, list every person you know in a foreign country. Like, that's like 50 people. So, and then they they send people out to go and, and talk to all of these people and visit yeah. with them and get to know you. And um, one thing I remember is my grandmother lived with us and she was um, like the neighborhood snoop. Like she would sit in our bay window and just be like, what's happening out here? And no wonder it's your grandmother who sent you the clipping. The same grandma, yes. So she was watching this man in a suit go to all of the neighbors. And as I said, I had not lived at home. And in the time that I'd been away, all the neighbors had changed. And so right. he's asking all the neighbors about this neighbor's daughter. And they're like, I don't think she ha they have a daughter. Like, they've never seen me. They had no idea who I was. Um, they have a son. And he's like, no, I'm asking about the daughter. So finally, like my grandmother was like, come on in and invites him into our home. And like, when I got home, he was like eating grapes with my grandma at the dining room table. <laughs> I was like, what is, I don't think this is how this is supposed to go down. Um, so, so yeah, so I went through all of that. I took the lie detector test. I took the like hair strand drug test. Yep. Yep. And I, the whole time I was thinking, I am the FBI's like, dream come true because I don't do drugs. I have never been, I've never done anything wrong. I'm a rule follower to a fault. So like, I thought this is like, I'm the person they want for sure. I'm a total chicken. And so maybe we have to work on that. Like that's yeah. areas for improvement, but like pretty much I'm who you want. Um, and I did, I, I failed like two questions on the lie detector test. Did you lie or or did you just get nervous? Um, no, I, I wasn't lying on purpose, but I do think it's where I realized I needed therapy because <laughs> they, they ask you each set of questions. Like they try to make it yes or no questions. So yeah. you're not like explaining anything in a lie detector test. And, um, and they ask you all the questions before you start so that they know what answer they're going to expect from you. So like, they'll be like, um, is your last name Schumann? Yes. And that's like a baseline question because we all know that's a fact. So one of the questions was, have you ever done anything to embarrass your family's name? And oh. I was like, no. And after the first round of questions, the guy was like, just so you know, if you're lying, the machine does pick it up. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I know, I know what we're doing here. <laughs> he asked a second time and he's like, also, every time I ask you, it, it registers more as a lie. And I was like, is something coming up as a lie? And he was like, I mean, I'm just telling you. And then he asked a third time and he was like, okay, this is a problem. Like this one, you need to tell the truth. And I was like, I don't know what to say about that. So apparently I felt as though in my history, I had done something to embarrass my family's name. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I did too, but it was, it was acting school. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And we're back. <laughs> Speaking of, did, did, did quitting the process of the FBI, which also means that you're committing to that because unlike some other corporate jobs or gigs, day gigs, you could still act. I don't see that being the case once you're in the FBI. They're like, no, you can't no. do that. No, at this point I had totally given up acting. So, and, yeah. and I should say too, that I spent most of my twenties trying to find something to do with my life other than being an actor, because- I love that. Yeah, I just felt like, you know, again, rule follower to a fault. It just seemed so irresponsible to go be an actor. Yeah. Um, even though it was like the thing that I loved. And I thought, look, I'm like a smart, capable person. There's got to be something else that I can do with my life 
with an um, acting degree. Yeah, I, what, or anything. Like, I'll right. go back to school. I just got to, like, find some other direction. And, like, I feel like the FBI is a good representation of, like, how far I was willing to go to find something else. And, like, even a life in the FBI was not enough to pull me away from being an actor. So, yeah, I think yeah. That, that's that's the thing. It's, like, if it's in you, if, it, if that's the thing, that's, I mean... <clears throat> And the thing that I, I want to, I say thing a lot instead of um today. Uh, one of the things I think that is important about artists is like, we can compartmentalize to a degree, to an extent. Like we will do this job. We will be a teacher. We will be a coach. We will be a therapist. We will, we will work at Nestle. But we are <laughs> going to spend our nights on a stage doing something, yeah. even if it's not paid. You know, most of the time, we will work unpaid in our in our calling of art um, and, and do that day job just to be able to do the thing that is like in us, that is calling us, that is like just driving us crazy. Yeah, and even in that like intense process for the FBI, there was something like nagging because she at one point had said, I had like asked just, you know, quick question what if I wanted to transfer to another field office like let's say I wanted to move to New York because I had lived in New York and ended up back in Chicago I said, what if I wanted to move to New York and she was like well you could transfer field offices that's you know doable so like and I knew the reason I wanted to go back to New York was to try and become an actor again like to get back yeah. to that mm -hmm. so it was still there in the back of my mind and I have to say that like you know the world Every now and again, I think especially as artists, every now and again, you get an opportunity to get a glimpse behind the curtain and it's super rare. Um, and we have to remember that like, especially being an actor, there's so much happening behind the scenes and you get like one phone call where they <laughs> tell you what's actually going on. But most of it, like 90% is happening and you don't even know what's going on. Yeah, there's yeah. Your name is being set in rooms that you don't even know about. And so I'm I'm saying this to her and, and I'm thinking like five-year plan, maybe I can get back to New York, maybe I can be an actor again. And uh, I ended up withdrawing my application from the FBI and going in a totally different direction. And two years later, the FBI field office was one of the places that was destroyed in 9-11. <gasps> and, and I believe everyone was safe. I don't want to say yeah. you know what may or may not have happened to anybody i don't know um but i feel like that was on 9 11 i got a glimpse behind the curtain that was like none of this was meant to be like none of this you know even though at the time it seemed like well this is a path it might not be my path but it's a path and i gotta mm -hmm. get on a path um i just realized that like none of it was mine to begin with um and yeah i mean you move on yeah. in a different direction it doesn't sound like you feel like that was time wasted, though. No, not at all. I don't think anything is time wasted. I, I mean, I'm 44, and I do feel like maybe at my age, I feel done with like, oh, here's another fun anecdote from my crazy life. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I just think it's all a life well lived, right? So, yeah. Well, no, I don't think any of it is is wasted time, and it's just like another little thing to stick in my back pocket of like i don't know maybe this will come in handy someday yeah or look talk about it on a podcast exactly. Minimally. Yeah. Minimally. i i 
agree with that. I think <clears throat> it's interesting because I, I, I see a lot of actors even now at 40, in their 40s, in their 30s, who feel that expiration date. And it's like, well, what's expiring? What do you think is expiring on your career at this age? Like, you know, and I, I think the bottom line is, um, uh, what is that? What am I thinking of? Of, of being like an ingenue maybe, or being, oh, or yeah, being yeah. famous in a way where like, yeah. you know, you're being staged famously, you know, like mm -hmm. paparazzi, magazine covers, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but I, I think that that is celebrity. A, celebrity. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. And I, and I think like, well, I want to break it down for a second. Like, are you looking, are, are you an artist or are you a celebrity? Like, because now you could just have a really great TikTok account and be a celebrity if you want. Like time might be ticking on it, but you know, there are other avenues to do that. But it, it never really felt that way. It felt like if you're committed to it, you're in it for the long run. I mean, look at so many actors and actresses today that are making it after 50. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, who's the one that we love so much? Um, That's not a fair question. Okay, keep talking. <laughs> Let's keep talking and I'm going to I'm going to figure out her name. I can't think, I think right now. I think that's just it. Like we've put a premium on youth for sure. On youth, yes. And and uh, that's fine. And you know, I certainly use creams and I would love to get Botox if I could ever afford it. Like Right. Yeah, sure. I'm right Same. there with everybody else. Like I'm a normal person who wants that. <laughs> but also I I mean, I don't know. And maybe I'm a bit of a weirdo, but like I was a child that when I saw I say child. I wasn't a child. I was like in high school. I saw misery and I was like, that's the career I want. Like, yeah. I want to be yeah. Kathy Bates. I 100% agree. You know? That is exactly. And I wanted to be James Caan. Yeah, exactly. And this was that's... before I'd seen The Godfather. And I wanted to be really the, the witch in, in Wizard of Oz. And my mom said, no, you don't. Her career was ruined. And I was like, why? She's always the witch. You know, like, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I think. But, and there's, and here's the other thing is like, I love TikTok. Those, I don't have that in me, like oh. that, like constant idea, constant, constant creativity. Cause you've been I doing did. it for, well, no. I was talking to, I don't know if you know Jody Miller. Jody Miller was on the show last week and um, we were talking about that too. It's like, we've actually been putting in the legwork for multiple decades in this where we have been hustling to auditions, hustling to casting director workshops, mm -hmm. hustling at um, uh, what, are, what are our pictures we take? Headshots. Headshots. We are hustling in- Writing uh, jokes, writing sketches, writing, generating writing, material. Generating material, getting up on stage every night, doing web series that we have put in all that work and these people have not done that and now they're putting in the work at TikTok. It's, a, it's just another, it's just like, God, well, here's the, they have a totally exhausted. Here's a big difference, I, and I, you know, I think the big difference is, you know, for for us, yes, when we were generating tons and tons of material, most of that material never made it anywhere, and on TikTok, oh, it's just hitting. There's there's no material that doesn't get out there. That's true. It's just what catches on. Yeah, and I think it's a different. Well, I will speak for myself. It's a different skill than what I possess. Like, yes, I don't have that. Um, constant like constantly ideas are not popping into my head or at least not in that fully formed like here's what i can do with that idea kind of way um mm -hmm. so it's a different skill and i love it and anybody who can make it happen 
God bless. It is, it's, I'm all for it. And I don't think that their art is any less valid than, nope. than what I do. It's completely different. Um, so, and even like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but even, um, I don't know. I just think, gosh, every person is, this is, a, here's some real intelligence for you. Every person is so unique. And wow. I just think everybody brings, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, I just think everybody brings something different to the table. And what is great for some people is not going to be great for other people. And, yeah. um, you know, there's room for everybody. That, that That's 100% true. So at what point after you leave the FBI and you decide you're going in a completely different direction, yeah. you, where do you end up and when do you get back into acting? Like, how did that transition happen? Um, so it took a long time. It, I was, when I was, uh, let's see, I was 29. I was working at a newspaper selling ads for a newspaper. So that job stuck for a bit, the newspaper. It did. Well, I, I went away from the newspaper and then I came back to the newspaper. Got it. And it was like a, a community newspaper. It was the newspaper that like my family had grown up reading. Um, so in some ways, this is the best job I'm ever going to have. It was with like people that knew me forever. It was like, you know, seeing my family every day going to work. Um, I absolutely loved that job. And you and got to meet. I did get to meet Obama, but it wasn't oh, necessarily yeah. through the newspaper. I. Oh was on a, although it factors in, I was on a plane coming back from a wedding and um, <laughs> it was my friend and I, and she was a Chicago public school teacher, very noble profession indeed. Mm -hmm. um, and I sold ads for a newspaper called the Austin Weekly News. And it is akin to if somebody who looks like me was selling ads for um, like a Compton newspaper. It's just, what are you doing selling ads for that newspaper? I had no business really having any anything to do with that newspaper. I was not a member of the community. I was not, I, I was a, like a little white girl running around selling uh, newspaper ads to a community that was not white. I had no business yeah. there. So when I met Obama, I was like, um, I actually sell ads for the Austin Weekly News. You bought an ad for me because he was a senator at the time. He was... Um, not, you know, the Obama that we all came to love. Um, and, and he was, you know, I was in the shit seats of the airplane. Um, the ones that don't recline and are across from the bathroom. So they actually smell like shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was four rows in front of me. So he <clears throat> was, you know, one of us. On he was a, slumming it. He was, yep. he was, yeah. And, um, he was on one side of the aisle and it was Michelle and Sasha and Malia on the other <gasps> side. Oh. Um, they had been on some vacation in Arizona and, um, and he, I said, I, I sell ads for the Austin Weekly News and you, you bought an ad for me during your campaign. And he was like, really, <laughs> you work for the Austin Weekly News. And I just felt like I had disappointed my dad. Like, oh, no. <laughs> sorry, dad. And the autograph that I got from him says, Kelly, dream big dreams, Barack Obama. And I feel like what he's saying is like, do better. You oh know? my God, that's a mean yeah. thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so thankfully I was able to make a connection with him. I, I mean, I think he felt connected to me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you dreamed big dreams. And so that did that. I did. He inspired me to just stop with the nonsense and get my act together. So I had been doing um, 
theater in Chicago, primarily at a theater called Circle Theater. Mm -hmm. And I had worked with a director, Michael Matthews, who what his husband had moved out to Los Angeles. He is Todd Milliner, um, half of Hazy Mills. The other half is Sean Hayes. And so Michael was moving out to Los Angeles as well. And he was going to be directing a show at Celebration Theater called Beautiful Thing. And he said, there is a, a role in this show that's perfect for you. And I was like, well, one problem, I don't live in Los Angeles. And he's like, well, I'm thinking you come out and just do the play. And I was working at the newspaper and I thought like, how does that work? Do you really go to Los Angeles to do a play? That doesn't seem right. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I went to my boss and was like, what do you think? And he said, sure, like you can work your job from LA. We were pioneers in the work from home game. Um, and so I did, I came out to Los Angeles for three months. I did that play. Um, had a little taste of Los Angeles. I was surprised at how much I didn't hate it. I I had only been to Los Angeles like one other time for one night. So I had this idea in my head of what LA was. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was kind of like um very plastic. I and, and that is definitely a facet of Los Angeles, but it's not the only facet. And then um, three months was over and I went home and back to Chicago. And, uh, but I had like in the back of my mind, I was like, I mean, that's there. And I turned 30 while I was here um, that time. And I thought, okay. So like, as the year went on, I just thought more and more about it and about how like, you know, maybe, maybe I was wasting time and maybe there was something more and maybe, I don't know. It just, I was very unsure. I was very afraid. Um, and it still seemed extremely irresponsible to be an actor. Um, Those Midwest roots, man. Dude, they run deep. They mm -hmm. deep. My dad was like, Jamie, you could be a prosecuting attorney and act in the courtroom. Why do you have to act? act? I mean, it's a valid question. And he's not wrong. Like, <laughs> this is, this is what I was thinking. I was like, there's gotta be another way. And aren't I happy just doing plays all year? You know? I, yeah. I mean, vaguely happy, but you know, but and you then, also want to try, you know, you don't want to limit yourself. You can always come back to just doing plays, but if you, but there's always that opportunity missed, right? Like the idea of like, yeah, is this fully completing me? Should I try this next step? Yeah. I'd like to ask a question because in, so something we haven't really talked about, but you just said, um, when you were in Chicago, when you're selling ads, when you were uh, doing a number of other things, well, even, maybe even while you were pursuing the FBI, um, were you doing theater this whole time? No, I wasn't doing theater. It took me a while to get back to it. Like, um, you know, Actually, that time in my life, like my early 20s is marked by like, it's sort of like a dark cloud because um, I had to, I felt like my journey was finding my way back to acting yeah. and I wasn't there and I wasn't doing it. And I didn't know that was the thing that was missing. And it actually happened when I went to Circle. I grew up at Circle. I did the kids program at Circle. Oh, that's when I, awesome. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid and I went to see a play there and like, yeah, I just knew like this can help. And I offered to come like help build a set or something like that. Or I think I offered to like be an usher for one of the, you know, I don't know. I was just like, can I help? And that is when I started to find my way back towards theater and I wasn't acting. Um, and there was a, 
there was a play that was going on at Circle and um, it was a play. I had done a scene from that play when I was in acting school and I thought, I wonder if I'm still right for that role. Maybe I'll audition and just see if I get the role. And I did, but I still didn't think I was going to be an actor. I still just thought that was like a one-off. Oh, cool. Um, I think there's a, there was, and maybe there still is in me, like there's a certain amount of like hype that I don't buy about myself. And maybe this is like every actor struggles with this, that like, I know in my head that I'm good at this and that I have a strong pull towards it. Um, but it all seems so unlikely. And especially when you're not living in Los Angeles where the business is everywhere here, yeah. when you're not living here, it feels so far away. And during that time, there were no Chicago shows. There was no like Chicago Med, Chicago PD. None of that existed at the time. And we were post John Hughes. So we were kind of in like a no man's land where not much was getting shot. Some was, but not a ton was getting shot in Chicago. So that Batman, idea, Transformers. Commercials. Yeah. Right. And by the way, like none of that was going to be available to me. Right. And also it's not, the thing that's always frustrating is it's not casting there, even if it's shooting there. That's right. That's it's right. just, I mean, and people don't realize that they're like, oh, you could live anywhere and be an actor. And I'm like, uh, not really, not really, not unless you've made it. And then they're just like, Hey, we're going to fly you out for this. That's right. And you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah you and could so get I harvested from one of the programs there. Well, that's the other thing. So I thought, and then, and um, they are excellent programs. The um, Goodman, Steppenwolf are excellent theaters. Yeah. Um, it is just very difficult to make your way into either one of them. Yeah. And Steppenwolf, particularly if you haven't done um, the school at Steppenwolf. Yeah. And I had already been to a conservatory. So the idea of like going to another conservatory program was just like, eek. I, I, a, I didn't have the money for that. And B, it just felt like a waste of time. So, um, so yeah, doing plays at Circle seemed to be the best I could do. And I auditioned at other theaters sometime, didn't get cast really. Circle was the only place that was willing to sort of like, let me be on their stage and, and do my thing. So, and that's where I had met Michael Matthews. He directed a show at Circle that I was in. Awesome. Um, yeah, so... So yeah, so I came out to LA, I did the play, went back to Chicago. It was in the back of my mind, but still I was 30. And now I was at a point where I was like, uh, being an actor is irresponsible. Becoming an actor at 30 is even more <laughs> irresponsible. Like go be an adult. You are an adult now. You're an official adult. Please do not go do something stupid. Well, Michael called and he said, I have another play and it's here in LA. And I think you'd be great in it just read the script. I read the script. I did not love the script, but then I read it a second time, like imagining him directing it. And I was like, I can't say no to this. This is a dream role. It was stupid. It's called stupid kids. And I thought I can't, I cannot say no to this. Um, but then I was like, what's more irresponsible going back to LA for three months. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> your response. It's like your grandma is in your ear. It's, it's my mother. It's true. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I was like, what's worse, picking up and going back to LA for three months or picking up and moving to LA permanently? And I decided moving to LA permanently was the right move. So I did. Okay. And did you keep and your job? Waste less gas that way. Exactly. Yeah. Except when I got here, it was a writer's strike. Oh, yeah. And gas had gone up to almost $5 a gallon. Oh, yeah. 
And I couldn't find a job for the for the first year I was here. I made nine thousand dollars. Oh God! It was a rough year. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty typical. I know that. So I, I know that when you were in LA, and it seems like maybe for most of the time you were in LA. So presumably after that first year is when you started at Make a Wish. Yeah. So the first year was bad. The second year, February second, I started at Make a Wish, and I was there for uh, ten and a half years. What, what were you doing there? I did so many jobs there. I started out basically as like an executive assistant, receptionist, office manager type sure. situation. Which you had um, been doing in, in other places. Yep. In yep, Chicago. That was about, yeah. I, um, most of the time, office work was the thing that I defaulted to um, mm-hmm. because it's like I'm a, I can type and... Um, it's transferable skills. Exactly. And yeah. so whenever I was looking for a job, I think a lot of actors gravitate towards restaurants obviously that makes sense for me that I don't have those skills. I did. I was a waitress once and dropped so much food. I ended up in the, the office world too, because I yeah. couldn't, I don't have grace. It was just awkward. And like, it is a skill and people don't realize that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely a skill. And I yeah. had none of it. Um, so yeah, so I ended up in an office and then, um, you know, again, glimpse behind the curtain. I didn't know it at the time. I was so disenchanted and I was so poor and I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So I felt really stuck. So like now I'm living in LA, I'm not really acting, um, like a little bit here and there. I take classes if teachers are nice enough to give me a discount because I don't have any money. Um, every now and again, I do a play at celebration, but again, auditioning for other plays can't really get anyone else to hire me. Yeah. Um, and don't have an agent, don't have a manager. Don't, I don't even know how you start to get those things. Um, so I just kind of was stuck. Like I, I couldn't leave because I didn't have money to leave, had to stay. Um, so for the first five years that I worked at Make-A-Wish, very little happened for me acting wise. Um, but what was happening that I didn't realize was going to be helpful was that I was building up goodwill and I was building up trust at Make-A-Wish which would come in handy when I started working on Superstore because I worked Superstore and Make-A-Wish up until the fifth season of Superstore. <gasps> so, wow. And I took, I always saved my vacation. I never took a vacation. I only, um, when I was shooting, um, if I couldn't come into the office that day, I took vacation. If I could come to the office, I worked both jobs on those days. Um, sometimes I worked weekends to make up time, but everyone is like, oh, wow, it's so nice that, that Make-A-Wish let you do that. And I'm like, well, you know what they let me do? They, they, they were flexible with me. What they didn't do is they didn't give me any free time. They weren't like, just go do it. Don't take vacation. It was like, I took vacation. Mm -hmm. We ran a tight ship. And, um, but that five years of really not getting very many auditions or work was the time when I could be like, I'm an employee that will stick around. I'm an employee that will get their work done no matter what. And so by the time Superstore happened, they trusted me and believed that I could do both. And I did. And are you still at Make-A-Wish? No, I left Make-A-Wish right before season five of Superstore. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. See, that is okay. So I worked at Nestle and, and I sort of did the same thing. I worked there for eight years, nine years total. And I did the same thing. I took my lunch hours to audition and yep. I, I like made my manager and agent like try and they were flexible with my lunch hour. Like I didn't have to yep. take it at noon. Or I didn't have to take it at one, but I just, 
I, you know, they were really great to me about that. And when I needed time off to shoot something, when I would book it, they were great about that. Um, because yes, because you, 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 you stock up, you're like, I'm not going anywhere. I've never let anything slip between the cracks. And they're supportive of that. I think Um, this is actually a really common and very undiscussed scenario in Hollywood. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've not been a series regular, but I certainly have been in my trailer doing, you know, IT support for my clients. Yeah. And, 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 and and we've talked to a number of people who, you know, have made, you know, I'm going to put those air quotes up around made it and, you know, still doing that day job, never, never let go of the day job, never let go of a good situation. I mean, let's talk about, yeah, further. She was a series regular on Superstore and kept her day job at Makeover. I was not a series regular. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. that that's a technicality. It is. It was for money. Guest star. You were a recurring yes, guest star. Who do I need to talk to about that? Well, they're, they're oh, not, the, the production office is closed right now. Unfortunately, if I had known yeah. that, if I had done this podcast sooner, Mama be up on the phone. Like I know I'm no one, but you listen. Listen what to me. The yeah. hell. We'll be right back. See, that wasn't too bad, was it? Now let's get back to the show. It does not change the fact that what what you're saying, which is true, was that. I was in every episode. Yeah. So I was still shooting 2018, 20. Sweet Justine. I, I miss know. her so much, Kelly. <laughs> the best. She was I alive. love that character. People, I feel like, well, I feel like she's a little bit polarizing. Some people love her and some people are like, oh, I can't stand her. They don't get um, her. They don't her, understand her. That's her purpose. Her. That's her purpose. But I feel like the people who are like, oh, she does, I can't stand her. I'm like, you might be her. Yeah, like <laughs> Justine needs a spinoff. I agree. I couldn't Period. read it anymore. I'm gonna write I love it. that character. I related so much to her. I just felt like she's what happens if you're not good at hiding who you are inside. Like we're and all I, Justine. Yeah. We all just want to be accepted and loved and part of the cool crowd and have friends and have people be like, where's Justine? Like, that's something we all want. And she she's just wasn't good at hiding us. that. Yeah. She's She's America's sweetheart. I know people can fight me on it. I don't care. I don't think anyone would fight me on it. Like this is, I I would love it if she became if that became more of what our America's sweet like something more attainable, something more realistic would be yeah. great. If that was I wanted to see that love story. Yeah, like I wanted to see Justine's love story. Like that character deserved that. Yeah, I think because she was so real and so loving and so, you know, really supportive and just an authentic human. Mm -hmm. I I mean, she's really got to be based on someone. Whoever developed her, she has to be based on someone in that person's life. I don't remember who I don't know who actually wrote the character and it started just as like a one liner. They were like "Eh, possibly (sighs) recurring. And when I did the one line, I was like, I don't think it was enough to like make an impact because it was just one line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, a couple weeks later, they were Every like, episode. hold these dates. Um, it's, a, yeah. it's interesting to look at the early episodes of the show and that's when you really see like, oh, they were trying people out. Yeah, just, yeah they were yeah. trying in that ensemble. Yeah. I mean, the office did that too. Like look at Angela Martin wasn't, they, she was a recurring until yeah. season two or three, Yeah, I think. Okay, yeah. I don't remember. Can I can I ask you uh, before we get completely away from it? So you right before season five did leave Make a Wish. Yeah. What was the reason for leaving at that time? Yeah. So I. I mean. 
uh, I had saved enough money. I, I just, I wanted to save enough. Um, I had heard that like Susie Orman tells you that you should have six months of yep. a salary saved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not good enough, Susie Orman. So I had <laughs> saved a year's worth of like what a monthly budget is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I, again, I just want to be clear that like a lot of what I did was motivated by fear and I don't necessarily recommend that. No, I um, recommend it. It's called Midwest <laughs> Fear and I, I abide by it. In fact, my mom got me the Susie Orman suitcase as a gift oh. one Christmas. So I like went through and did all of the Susie Orman things. That was a thing in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. What I they wish called? we still had that. The aught 2000s. I don't remember. The aughts. Just the, the aughts. aughts. Is it the aughts? I don't understand where that comes from. I haven't looked it up. But no, live in fear. <laughs> Prepare for disaster. Let's just not dismiss fear <laughs> as a valuable survival instinct that yes, has kept the species kept going. going. And yeah. she's not booking. I, I think there's a happy medium. I think there's a way to be cautious and conscientious, but not totally fear driven. And I have a tendency to be totally fear driven. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, uh, and I also don't recommend it because I don't recommend being in your forties and working two full-time jobs. It, I literally, I had no idea how burnt out I was until it yeah. was over. And then I was like, holy shit, I shouldn't have done that. I would not recommend anybody else. I, and I don't, I don't mean, you know, working a full-time job and then, you know, auditioning. I mean, I had done um, season two, three, and four while working a full-time job. I don't recommend that. Yeah, Yeah, that that really is. I mean, in my twenties, I worked three jobs and they were, they were 30 hours, 20 hours and 20 hours, but it, it, it it burned me out. By the time I was in my thirties, I was like, Nope, I'm just going to work this corporate job and I'm going to act. And that was a lot because sometimes I would book a web series or something and I would, they would be shooting at night because everyone had a day job. So I would work all day, an intense corporate job in packaging. And then at five o'clock I would go to set and we would work until four in the morning. And then I would get up and go back to work and be there at eight 30 in the morning just to go back and shoot an overnight again. And and you don't look good. No, no one's going to like, you don't want that on your Mm. reel anymore. Like, Oh, you're talented, but you look terrible. You look like actual garbage. You look like actual garbage (laughs) and there's no makeup department no. that can fix that no. well maybe there isn't the high paying things but now there's only so much you can do like, so so much like living do. on my face so um I, yeah i i just think like i don't know and and people would be like um yeah i got a workout in and it was like oh, a workout i i'll never be able to work out that's not yeah. a thing i can ever do nope. like i still I relate to that or even date dating no. is very difficult um, and I think people maybe don't understand how much sacrifice goes into, you know, what people consider success. Um, oh, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah. That's exactly why we do this podcast. You know, like it's, I mean, Kelly and I don't know each other. Like I said, I slipped into her DMs, but, um, but yeah, even putting on hold, having a child yeah. and a marriage and a family, like you, you bookmark it. And you, you, you sort of try to plan it because they tell you like, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. And it's like, it's like a carrot on a stick to a donkey and you want it so bad. And they're like, just wait. And when I did, what? 
Oh, you leaned into me and I thought, are you kissing me in the middle of the show? Excuse um, me, Kelly. <laughs> I was like, what's happening right now? And then I did get pregnant and I remember being at a casting director workshop and I had I had gone, I loved this casting director and I she'd seen me a bunch. She had brought me in a couple times. Nothing had hit. And she was there and she's like, oh, you're pregnant. When are you due? How long will you be out? How big are you going to get? I mean, like she had, it, she grilled me in front of people and I was like, well, that's the end of my career. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I took some maternity leave and my agent was like, or my manager was like, um, so you're not acting anymore, right? And I was like, I had a baby. Like, it's cool. I'm going to get new headshots in like a month, maybe. Like, I just felt like I had to make all these things up to say like, no, I'll be back. I'm not off. And then I had other women who were, you know, booking co-stars for a while. And then it stopped when they got pregnant. They got pregnant just after I'd had my baby. And they were writing me like, what, what did you do? What did you do? What are you doing? And they're all in real estate now because they just, it was like they were done. Now, I haven't gone that route. Instead, I went to grad school and wrote a novel. But the thing is, like, yeah, it's a lot of fucking sacrifice. Sorry. And it's a lot of, like, what if? And finally, you just have to, you have to pull the plug on that and just live your best life. Like, I think so. Mm -hmm. That's when you're like, yeah, theater is enough. Yeah, exactly. Enough and I think also we should just mention that, like, moms experience this in a lot of industry that, that yes so many industries that are like, Ooh, motherhood. Yikes. yikes. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. it is so unfortunate. I'm not somebody who wants children or has children and I still see it all the time. And I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. it's, it's really a shame. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an interesting um, phenomenon that hasn't gone away. No, no. And we tell women they can have it all, but that's, that's really unfair. We haven't done anything to support that right exactly what's really unfair what have all of what the pie thank you no my six-year-old's gonna eat most of it but thank you <laughs> trust me the nature of being a mom is sacrifice oh uh -huh. bless i know so um, true. you know we talk about fear we talk about like stopping burning the candle at not just two ends but like the whole candle yeah you just throw the yeah. candle in the this fireplace like, and be done with it this is That's a right. hanukkah candle it's out in like two minutes it doesn't last eight days let's <laughs> talk last eight days it doesn't last eight days let's talk for a second about what your goals are now i know you booked a commercial and i think you booked a guest star mm -hmm. i don't know if you can talk about those um i don't i can't the commercial i cannot um the guest star was on a 911 Lone Star. Whoop, whoop. Um, that is a completely different show than what I'm used to. Yeah, but that's a procedural. Wow. An intense one. An that. intense one. Like it's a high action procedure. High action. Oh what my did gosh. you do? I, well, I don't know that I can talk about that, but I can oh, okay. say that, um, you know, it's called 911. So there is an emergency in every episode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mine certainly had an an emergency and there were stunts and there were prosthetics and there wow. was blood and i come from this cute little 22 minute episode world right, right. and this is you know a full hour long show and these crew members first of all they run two units at the same time so like 
um, for anyone who is not an actor, um, why are you listening to this podcast? But also, it just means <laughs> like- Most of our listeners are not, believe it or not. Okay, okay, great. Then this is for you. Um, like, you know, they have an entire crew supporting, um, when you're watching a show, there's like an A storyline and a B storyline. Mm-hmm. And yeah. basically they're sh- shooting A and B at the same time on separate sound stages with two full crews. That's a wow. lot of people. And- um, and they're long days and these crews are so badass. Oh my gosh. Like best in their fields. I just sat in awe. I was like, the, I truly felt like the least important thing happening on set. And it was, it was very, uh, it was an amazing learning experience for me. I've never been on a show like that before. Um, so yeah, so that's that I did one episode of that. And then I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what comes next. It's well, we, that's uh, a crazy thing. That's I mean, the crazy thing. Yeah. Also, I'm so proud of you. I, I'm nobody, but I'm proud of you. Isn't it weird when we say that when we're like, oh, are you their mother? But I am so proud of you as a fellow actor and as a, as a fellow woman and a, a, a fellow Midwesterner. artist. Midwesterner over 40 also. Like, I just, I want to tell you, like, I think this is great that you're sitting in it and taking time and not living this year based on fear because we've had enough of that with COVID anyway, but like just really being there for yourself, I think it's going to just, you know, open up the whole world to you. I'm just glad you're not working two jobs right now. Dude. Right. Me too. And I just want to say too, that like what it's really important for me to be clear that it's not that I don't have the fear. I have the fear constantly. Of course you do. Not going anywhere probably. Um, you know, I'd like to be a different person, but yeah. is, that's who I am. That's what I lead with, unfortunately. Um, but the, for me, the success comes from, I'm terrified. I think all the time about like, is there another way that I could be happy? Is there, is there feasibly a way to walk away from this and still be a happy, fulfilled person? And I know the answer is no. So it's, it's understanding the fear, experiencing the fear and still sitting here and being like, I just, I don't know what comes next. So I just have to wait for it. Um, I just don't want anyone to be like, wow, she's so brave. It, this is, it's not a bravery contest. It's, it's, nope. it's, a it's, you know, it's a waiting game and, and also how little control we actually have over so much of it. Like, yeah. I, I, I have to show up to my acting class every week because that's what I can do is I can like make sure that I'm as sharp as I can be. And my headshots are up to date. All my reels are up to date. All of my websites are up to date. That's all I can do. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that's constantly when, as we do this show, something that the, the lesson that I constantly learn, even though I know it about myself and I know it about Jamie to, to learn it about, you to learn about so many people is that this is a profession of hard ass working people. Yeah. I mean, people who, and, and we, you know, no one gets to see how hard acting is and no one will, even people who hear it and even, and, and hear the stories won't necessarily completely internalize it and believe it because right. Hollywood is glamorous, <clears throat> but what people and our listeners are, are frequently, um, tell us mm-hmm. they're, they're they're surprised to hear is that 
the people who are doing what they perceive as the glamorous work are also busting their asses at, at desk jobs and, and loading trucks and, you know, often on the same day, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and going back and forth between the two. And, you know, and, and, and it's our job because we are trying to create the perception of success in order to create more success. Yeah. Uh, we lean into the glamour. Yeah. We very rarely feature what we talk about here. Yeah. That's true. And I, I, I should also say that like I worked all summer helping a friend on a casting job. Like um, I think a lot of people look at Superstore and me and go like, wow, that is the dream. And I just want to turn that on its side a little bit and say it was the dream but it, it did end. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember when I was still working for Make-A-Wish and part of my job was going to like local children's hospitals and working with kids. And whenever a parent would recognize me, they would be like, I just think it's so wonderful that you still find time to help with the kids. And I was like, this is my job. Like I'm not yeah. volunteering. They a hundred percent thought I was like volunteering my time yeah. and giving back. And I'm like, no, I don't know what you think I'm getting paid, but it's yeah. not that, whatever yeah. you're thinking. They think it's um, a lot. They, they think, think it's it a, lot. a lot. They always think it's a lot. I, I understand the glamour. And maybe there was a part of me that was attracted to that initially, but you don't stick it out and actually go anywhere uh, if that's what you're here for, because. Right. Yeah. Well, those people usually leave part. after a year. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I, I had a, a very successful actress. We were talking about this, like shows ending the fear of like what comes next. And she's like, I don't think it goes ever goes away. And she was like, you know, when people talk about this industry and they're like, being an actor is so glamorous. I like to tell them that like 15% of the time I am on set and working. And that 15% is fucking amazing. It is the dream come true. I am thrilled at all times. Even when I'm feeling just awful, at least I'm doing the thing that I love. But the mm -hmm. other 85% of the time is grueling. Mm -hmm. And we never talk about that because who would want to talk about that part of it? It is <laughs> exactly. Well, right. I'm the same. I'm like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, you know, uh, pull the curtain pull back the curtain on it. Yes. yes. Call um, us Oz. This show is Oz. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You guys are the wizard. We, I, I, this, I love this episode. I think it's super special. I can't stop saying super. Um, <laughs> we didn't do this to Will, by the way. We did not do this to Will. <laughs> um, but uh, I we appreciate you being so honest and so forthright and um, just putting it out there. It, this was great. Yeah. I want to make sure that we mention that you have a podcast. Oh, yes. I wanted to do that like four times. You have a podcast. <laughs> Clearly struggling with Destiny and Kelly. Yes, we have a podcast. We have several. We have so many episodes of that podcast. Yeah. And we think we have in the neighborhood of 10 listeners. So <laughs> if you'd like to add your uh, name to that illustrious list, please do. Please um, do. But I don't recommend starting at the beginning because we we literally one day were like, we're starting a podcast. Mm -hmm. And we recorded it that day. So, you know, I would just like, just imagine our growing and learning and start there. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode that, that people should should check out? Well, we have a Christmas episode that's called, that's called Merry Christmas, Suck Some Titties. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was a text message that I received on Christmas one year from an unknown number. Nice. Oh, yeah. I love those. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I would start there, actually. 
Okay. That's fantastic. It's, yeah. This is the season. Let's do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to thank you so much and we want to wish you all the success. We can't wait to watch um 911. We can't wait to see what commercial you have coming out. And I hope it's a campaign that that just keeps going and going. Ooh, me too. That's the dream, really. It commercial campaigns. Dream. Yeah. Come on. That's that's where the glamour really is. <laughs> that's where the money is. Yeah. That's what that's what pays for my products. Um <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I've got a pair somewhere. Of your dad. Yeah, my dad's. Your your dad who's been they passed were, away for 15 were, years. They were bequeathed to me. It's good. It's a good oh, time. You cool. didn't need shoes in there. Kelly, it's a good time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for putting up with us. She showed on Monday. Oh, that was such a good episode. She was great. Awesome. Okay, you guys, we won't be here for the next couple of weeks. That's Ooh. like two weeks guys Ugh. holidays but we will be back in the new year with fresh new episodes okay all right yeah now you're talking you know why why we need to wish them something happy, happy holidays, holidays friends. friends and have a happy new year this ain't no savings and loans.